You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. So I guess, I guess this face looks a little bit different to what you are used to up here this morning, but it's okay. We trust that God is still going to do something. Amen? Amen? Amen. I believe if you open up your hearts, He'll speak to you. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, so... Um, Saying, where do we start? Hey, okay. So, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> um, I started off in the first service just by saying, you know, that I'm really excited about the kingdom. I guess, in general, you know, the the Bible tells us, as we know, and I think we heard last week as well. You you look, you read Matthew chapter six, and Jesus says to his disciples, "Look, this is how you must pray." You know, our Father in heaven, so obviously first starting with getting your, your focus right and, and worship, that's where you start. And then from there on, it says, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. So um, we know obviously that, that's a, that that passage of Scripture is a principle for prayer. It's not, a, you know, it's not something you repeat verbatim. There are principles in each one of those lines. So when it says, let your kingdom come, it's praying about the kingdom. Let your will be done. Praying about what you know about the will of God. Um, anyway, what, I'm, what I wanted to say is, and I think Pastor Eric was, was mentioning this or making this point that it's interesting if you look at Jesus said, pray like this, and he said the kingdom is the most important thing. Straight after our Father which art in heaven, in other words, worship, reverence, awe, glory, straight after that, Lord, your kingdom. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom advance. Let your kingdom transform. Which, <coughs> which also, I guess, makes us think, well, it should drive the point home that number one, the kingdom of God or the kingdom is very important, if not the most important thing to God, number one. But interestingly enough, number two, if he's saying that that should be our priority, it means if we prioritize that, probably, and my guess is I think it is, everything we need will be found in there. Does that make sense? You know, it's, it's the Bible, t- I mean, think about it. It tells us he has plans to prosper, not to harm us, plan to give us hope in a future. You know, God wants what's good for us. Um, I think it's, is it, where is it now? It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So if God is saying, look, the, the, the most important, the focus area of your prayer, what you should be praying into is the kingdom. Lord, let your kingdom come. Because number one, if your kingdom comes, everything that you see around you will be sorted. You get what I'm saying? Like when the kingdom come, and we heard a lot about that last week. I think about Charles Finney. We heard about Charles Wesley. So, you know, there was a, were they both Charles? John Wesley. They aren't doing the same thing. It's contagious. Whatever that thing is, it's contagious. So you'll know if you were here last week. John Wesley and Charles Finney. We heard about them. And literally, if, you're, if the kingdom comes, it transforms everything. Jails close. Things change. I guess if the Bible promises that all our needs will get met, if the kingdom comes, well, then obviously all our needs will get met. You know, health, healing, all of that. So we need to prioritize the kingdom. We need to learn as much about the kingdom as we can. We need to press into the kingdom as much as we can. We need to prioritize it as much as we possibly can. If the Bible is true. If the Bible is true, and I believe it is, that's why we're all sitting here, and it says, look, this thing is important. The more we prioritize whatever this thing is, I guess the more you're going to see God in your life. Amen? So 
a little bit of what we heard last week excites me. I mentioned about Jesus being transfigured on the mount. And I mean, you were here, well, some of you were here in both services. Some of you were here for one. Go and get the messages if you weren't. But, it, but the, the, the full implication of the kingdom is incredible. It's, it's past what we could, I mean, it's literally, the full implication of the kingdom of God is like the perfection of God. Because the, it's, it's, it's God's kingdom in perfection coming down and being established here. So God's kingdom in its perfect operation, we're saying, God, that which is in heaven where you rule. God rules everywhere, but heaven is the perfect example of his kingdom. Let that come. Can you imagine what happens when that comes down? We can see some examples of that through scripture, but it's really incredible. So that's why we need to push for it, press for it, give everything we need for it. Amen. So we looked at that, we looked at that last week. Um, <clears throat> and I was even thinking, you know, Pastor Eric speaks, sometimes talks about the, the, the realm of glory. So my, my, my take is that quite possibly the, the, full, the fullest expression of the kingdom you can get, is the, that's the realm of glory. So in other words, he talks about the realm of glory is a place where, you know, when people, I mean, limbs sort of growing back instantly, you know, people not having, forget not being able to see, but, you know, no eyeball in the head, you know, no, no eyeball in the eye socket. And then that, that then see in Jesus' name. And in the realm of glory, what will happen is everything that needs to take place for that person to see, including the eyeball instantly, I guess, growing and coming forth, that will take place. Now, that's something, ladies and gentlemen, we should be pressing for. I don't know about you, but that's a level which is available to us. I don't know how much of that we've seen already, but that's what we should be pressing towards. That's what we should need. Every single one of us here need to be walking in that. Why? Because it's part of your inheritance as a child of God. There's no level like, you know what, it's more for this person than that person. No, no, no. The whole Bible is available for every single person, or let me say the whole of humanity. So the whole Bible is available for everyone. I guess how far do we press? And obviously part of how far we press depends on the revelation we have. So I guess if we, have, if we are blessed enough to have the kind of teaching that we have in a place like this, you know, I think we should really put it to the full use we can. Amen? Okay. So what I want to share this morning I think is a, I believe is an important principle for as we try and bring down the kingdom, as we try and experience the kingdom, and as we try and walk out the kingdom, it'll become more apparent as we, as we unpack the scriptures. But, and I'm going to try and explain it a bit better. I don't know how, how good a job I did in the first service, so hopefully I can do a better one now. But it's, it's basically getting out of yourself, going past yourself, past where you are. And that's what I'm going to explain, and that's what we're going to, I can see some, some blank stares, which is fine. I mean, I, I, if someone told me that, I also wouldn't know what it meant. It could mean one of a hundred things. But we're going to unpack it, and then hopefully it's going to become clear. Amen. But just if you can remember that, going past yourself, yourself is like where you are comfortable, what you are experiencing, the, the natural, your natural condition, your natural state, what the testimony of the circumstances around you are. That's where you are at. And now my challenge is to go past that. Because once you go past that, obviously you will experience things that you weren't able to experience before. But I believe the fullness of the kingdom isn't sitting here within our comfort zone. Within, you know, how do I feel today? Okay, I don't feel so great. So then I just carry on the day like that. You get what I'm saying? You know, there's a challenge. I will, you know, hopefully it will sort itself out. You know, someone, someone's, someone's sick in my family. Well, you know, it is what it is. If, if God, maybe they'll be healed. Maybe they aren't. Maybe they won't. I don't believe... That kind of attitude will get us to experience the fullness of the kingdom. Amen? 
Okay, because I said in the first service, so, I mean, if it was that easy to bring down the kingdom, I guess we'd be seeing a lot more. You get what I'm saying? Like all these things we talk about, why are we not seeing it? Well, I think part of the reason is there's a kind of lifestyle you have to have. You know, there's a kind of way you need to operate. There's a kind of mindset you need to have. And as you walk that out more and more, God will take you deeper and deeper. And then what we'll start to see is more and more of the manifestations of the kingdom happening in us, in our individual lives. That's what God has ordained for us. That's part of what he has for us. And when we stand before him one day, may each one of us be able to declare, God, what I saw in your word, I experienced. And I'm home because it's time for me to come home. And I've done what I was supposed to do. Amen? May that be each one of our... That was David's testimony. And I... Yeah, that scripture and acts always always inspire me. But I, but I pray that will be that will be our testimony. Okay, let's have a look. So, <clears throat> Psalm chapter three. Um, let's go there. We looked at this in the first service. Principle here is, but yeah, let let's let's go there. Psalm chapter three from verse one. So, my my Bible in bold says, or well, the heading at the top, which is obviously the comment, the the author's interpretation. He says, "The Lord helps his troubled people," and then. The next, the next sort of piece of writing before you get to verse 1 says, A psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, Absalom his son. So, I'm not going to go into this in too much detail because I did it quite a bit in the first service. But basically what you should know <coughs> is, I guess he's in, it's almost like the situation David found himself in is almost like America as a, as a whole. So the whole country with everything they have at their disposal, all their weapons, all their technology, all their know-how, all their, you know, we always watch movies about the CIA and, the, you know, whoever else and, I don't know, I guess agencies that, are, that, they, that cannot be named and, you know, the movies make up stuff. So what I'm saying is there's a lot and in our heads there's even more. So take the maximum of what's in your head and that's kind of what David was facing. I, I, what I'm trying to do is trying to paint a picture of the kind of crisis he was in. It's literally like America saying, zooming in on you, on one person and saying, you are finished. That's, that's with all of their resources, zooming. And why am I saying that? Well, very simply, <clears throat> remember what David was like. Absalom, his son, has now, has now kicked him out. And what he's doing, he's assumed the throne. Okay. But now, cast your mind back to what kind of a kingdom did David rule? Well, it was one of power. It was one of glory. He laid the foundation for Solomon. So by the way, if you read the Bible, you'll see that the, the temple he built, you know with all the gold and how incredible it was? David laid up all that stuff before he died. Solomon drew it. So you, you kind of, it says, it says, I remember one of the, iron without number. And the Bible's not that sort of challenged when it comes to numbering things. I remember there's the, they even got a, I can't remember which scripture it's in, but there's a, the word million is, oh, actually it's a, I think it's the Ethiopian army. I think it's in the second book of, Book of Second Kings. The Ethiopians came against, it was either Judah or Israel, with an army of a million people. So all I'm saying is the Bible throws those kind of numbers around, and now it's saying iron without number. And then it talks about gold and silver on a level which you hadn't imagined. So David didn't struggle financially. From a resource point of view, there was more than he could have spent in 10 generations. Okay? His son was now in charge of all of that. He had a kingdom which instilled critical fear into every other kingdom around him think about it david didn't every time he went to war who won <laughs> david 
Then when the guy was this big, you know, he was killing a giant, which was, you know, that's where he started. That was just kind of like, hi, you know, welcome. That's the first line of his CV. You know, kind of like, you know, I was this big and this guy was three times my size. And what did I do? I didn't even have a sword because it was too heavy and so was the armor. So I killed him with a stone. That was his CV. That was like, that was like his starting point. So, you know, imagine when he became king and you saw the whole process. He went and all the resources he had at his disposal. He conquered no one, no kingdom around him ever survived. They didn't. No, God said, take this land, go take the Amorite, go, whoever it was, whoever he took on, he cleared. He finished. There was, he, was, he was a fighter, he was a soldier, and he always came out on top. So now you can imagine the attitude of the nations around him. This, this, this Israel, they were not, you know, they weren't thinking, you know what, let's plot and do something. No, no, they knew, let me just stay away. Hopefully he won't look in my direction. Honestly, that's what I believe the attitude of the nations around him was. Let, let, let me hope he doesn't look in my direction because if he decides he wants my land, there's probably nothing I can do. You get me? There's the whole history of Joshua and now you've got David who's continuing all of that and he doesn't lose. As a, he started off with Goliath. And probably no other king out there could have done what David did with Goliath. And he cleared him. That was his sort of like introduction. That was, I don't know, grade one for him. That's where he started. So you can imagine he's in his point of glory with all the reasons. But now what I'm trying to tell you is Absalom is now in charge of all of that. The attitude of the nations around him, all the resources. Think about the army that David built up. Think, to be able to accomplish what he did, he wasn't just doing it by himself. You get what I'm saying? He had an army probably second to none. Absalom was in charge of all of that. And David was running. I don't know about you, but that's crisis. That's probably the worst crisis I could... It's worse than any crisis I've ever been in and probably will ever be in. So now you understand what I said about America. It's kind of like, you know what, everything that's available pointed at you. And his son wanted... And if you read the scripture, you'll see his son wanted to extinguish him. Literally, he must die. He must be done. So he was in a crisis point. He was in the most difficult crisis he'd probably ever faced and probably the most, um, a more difficult crisis than any of us have ever faced and probably will ever face. If any of you have ever had an entire nation, not even a big one, even a small one coming after you, then you should let me know. And then, because that was that, and you're still here, then you're powerful. But he, ha he had everything he built up over a period of a long time all aimed just at him. And that's the context of the psalm. And I want you to see what his attitude is and how he responds. Because that, I think, is very, very key as to where we go forward. Amen? Amen. Huge crisis. But then you see how he responds. So, <clears throat> Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many. There are many problems. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. So many people have thought, ah, you know what, this guy's come far, but he's now over for him. He's not getting any further. So even the people around him, that's how they viewed David's situation. Like it's, it's, not, that, it's not that hopeful. It's hopeless. But now verse 3 is the important one. <clears throat> but you, O Lord, are a shield to me, the one who lifts up my head. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my... Do you think, would you be able to say that in the midst of a situation like that? Think about it. Would you be able to make a declaration like that? Now we know why David did what he did. Now we know why he went down in history as the kind of person he did and God's testimony about him. 
That's why I think it's 2 Samuel chapter 7 where God comes and makes a covenant directly with David. Now you know why those kind of things happened. This guy was serious about life and he was serious about God. And he's serious about God being bigger than anything else. So that's my question. Would you, in a situation like him, you've got the whole of the United States. Let's use that. In fact, what he had was probably better. But the whole of the United States, everything at their disposal, zoomed in on just you. On just you. Not your family, not your nation, just you. Everything at their disposal. They've left everything else and they're zooming in on just you. Would you be able to say, but you, O Lord, are a shield to me. You are my glory. In that kind of, could you say, God, you are my glory. You are the glory of my life. Would you be able to say that in that situation? That's how we need to live. That kind of attitude, that kind of viewpoint, focusing your mind like that, disciplining yourself like that, that's what's going to bring the kingdom down. Amen? That's why the kingdom is not brought down by every single person out there. There's a kind of lifestyle and mindset and attitude. You get me? To be in the midst of that, his most challenging crisis he's ever faced, and that naturally the chance of coming out of that are not even, they're minus whatever. It's not, he won't come out. Him still, God, you are my glory. I declare you are my glory and I shall not be moved. That's David's attitude. If we can learn to live like that, we will start to bring down the kingdom. Amen? That's why... And he, his, so his declaration was, God, you are my shield. You are a shield to me, and I will not be moved. So let's, let's move on a little bit quickly. Um, let's go to Psalm chapter 5. <clears throat> From verse 1. So this is another psalm, but I want you to see this quickly. We're going <clears> to, <throat> I think... Maybe digress a little bit, but the worry will come back. So stick with me. So this is another Psalm of David, verse 1. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Now, this is why the scripture just, I guess, challenges me and blows my mind. So, <clears throat> I can't remember if Pastor Eric mentioned this while he was teaching us on, on the principle of meditation, on the, on the principle of Hagar. I think it was two Sundays ago. Not last Sunday, but the Sunday before. I think I'm right. I don't know. I think it was two Sundays ago, though. So, and it was, uh, he'd obviously been teaching. That was the second week. So, he'd, he'd been teaching. So, there are four sermons available on meditation if you want to go and have a look. But look what this says. Cons give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry. <clears throat> what does that mean? That means that your meditation can affect the outcome of your situation. Does that not shed a whole lot? And I'm sure Pastor Eric mentioned this, but yeah. But now, does that not shed a whole lot of light? When you're in a crisis, what you do with your head is important. Do you get what I'm saying? I mean, don't, don't, don't look at me. It's what it says. That's what... Give, give heed to the voice of my cry, my king. Okay, so go back to verse, verse 1. So he, he's, he's crying out. He's obviously praying. Give ear to my words, O Lord, and consider my meditation. If what you meditate on, if what's going through your head, what, not even while you're in a crisis, just generally on a day-to-day -day basis, if it's not important, then that, scripture, that, that, verse, that part of Scripture couldn't be written there. You get what I'm saying? So what goes on in your head is probably a lot more important than we realize. 
it's not just so we can, st- and obviously it's an important thing staying focused on God. It's not just so we can stay focused on God. But this scripture tells us meditating on the wrong stuff or meditating on the right stuff can bring an outcome in a situation, can bring the right kind of outcome. So when you're in crisis and you feel like you are being shaken, you are being moved, you know, like the, you know, the, the rain is coming, the, the, the flood is coming, the wind is coming, you know, all of it shaking, the flood water is rising. When you're in the midst of that, it's so critical what you do with your head, what you keep in your head. Like David, God, you are my glory. That's it. I'm in the worst situation I have ever been. No one I know, in fact, maybe even no one in history has been in a situation like this. Naturally, I can't get out of it, but you are my glory. You are my shield. I will not be moved. If we can start living like that, we will bring down the kingdom. Amen? This is how we need to live. And that's what I meant when I was saying living past yourself. Do you get it now? So, Because what you would naturally feel is crisis, stress, pain, you know, uh, um, worry, fear. You get what I mean? All those, I'm not going to survive. I won't make it. This is it. I'm done for. That's what's going to go through your head. Now, living past yourself is stretching past that and saying, okay, out of your situation, what does the word say? What does God say? What is my truth? That's what living past yourself is. Do you get what I'm saying? And you know what? It's an, and again, going back to why everyone doesn't pull down the kingdom, it's an effort. Am I right? Because your natural default setting is crisis, stress, I'm finished, I'm done, I'm over, this is it, I, 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 I cannot recover. That's your default setting. So now it's you saying, God, what does your word say? I will not be moved. You are my glory and you are my shield. You are my strength. What I meditate on is important. That's what I mean when I'm saying stepping out of yourself, going past yourself. What is convenient for you? What is comfortable for you? What does your body want to do? What does your mind want to do? And you, you step past all of that and you say, no, no, no. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to live. I'm telling you, there is no other way to bring down the kingdom. You have to be living like that. Because to bring down the kingdom is not a small thing. So we're going to have to get used to, if I can say like, we're going to have to develop this lifestyle of living past ourselves, of stretching outside of what is my, what is my challenge? What is my crisis? What is my reality now? Stretching past that and taking hold of something bigger. That is the only way. Once we start learning how to do that, then we will start to bring down the kingdom. You get me? Because to, to bring down the kingdom takes a stretch, takes stretching. It does. Otherwise, everyone will be doing it. That's what we keep saying. If it was that simple, the kingdom would be here. We wouldn't even need to hear this. But it's obviously not that simple. You know what it requires? A different kind of person. Someone who's willing to say, you know what? My head is screaming. My emotions are shouting. And my situation is even louder. But I'm saying, God, I'm stretching outside of my situation. Does that make sense? That's how we have to live. Because once we start living like that, then taking hold of the kingdom. Because remember, we take hold of it by faith. All these things, like the things we spoke about in the introduction, you know, things growing back and all of that, we have to take hold of those by faith. And, you, and we can't take hold of them staying in our situation. We're going to have to stretch for them. You get me? So we're going to have to learn. This is what's the strong conviction of my heart. This is up to you what you do with it. I just know what I have to, what I, what, what's, what's bubbling on my heart. But my conviction, we have to start le- applying this and getting it right. Once we do that, pulling down the kingdom won't be an issue. And even get it, even once you are doing that, you're already starting to bring down the kingdom. Because what you are doing is you're influencing the outcome of situations in a way that is different to how it otherwise would have been, even if it's a personal situation. 
that's still bringing down the kingdom. You know what Jesus said? He says, <clears throat> he's speaking, he says, look, he was talking about money. He says, if, if, you, if, you can't, if you're not faithful with this, who will give you true riches? You get what I'm saying? So there, there are bigger things out there. There are true riches which we need to take hold of. There are bigger things than just money. Money is the, money is the test. So now I'm going off track, but it's okay. So money is the test, and if you can manage that properly, God's like the real stuff, I'll give it to you. So money is not the real thing. So you've got to be able to have it, however much God gives to you, and obviously he wants to prosper all of us. But I mean, if he gave you a billion, a hundred billion, I don't know, you've got to be able to manage it and your head not explode. You get what I'm saying? And you not, you not get caught up with covetousness or, or I don't know, spirit of mammon taking hold of you or you just, you know, you now don't talk to some people because, you know, you've, you get what I'm saying? Or you just spend it all on your personal whatever. Like we've got to be able to, once we, once God can trust us with that, then there's real stuff which we'll start tapping into. Amen. And honestly, with all of my heart, I believe that this is the same principle. Once we've started to apply this in our own circumstances, once we've started to apply this to what's going on in my life, what are my crises, what are my challenges, once you've started to apply it to that, then we obviously, I guess, will learn how to do that, apply that. Then we'll start to, God will start to usher us into taking down bigger kingdom realities. Amen? You move, you, pro you progress. You start off with a giant this big and then this big, and you know, that's generally how it goes. So you've got to, I guess if we can't nail it in our own lives, how can I pull down the kingdom for this, for this city? You get me? How can I pull it down for my work environment? How can I pull it down for my nation? For, for, for mid I, it's not, you have to get it right here. This is the, this, and this is probably often the most difficult thing. This is the hard one, the inside, you, yourself. That's the hard one. If you can nail that, the rest of it is easy. Honestly, if you can hit the inside my head and my heart and my circumstances stuff, hit that, the rest of the stuff is not a problem. It's actually easier. Because now you're applying the same principles and you would have, there's some kind of a, um, a stature, some kind of a, almost like, you know, when you go to the gym, I want to say gym, because I mean, yeah, I, don't, I don't go to the gym, but so like, well, exercise, exercise. If, you know, if you exercise, you, you, you exercise certain parts of you, they get fitter, they get stronger. Yes. Now, it's the same principle. Once we're applying this thing, there's a kind of strength, a kind of almost fitness we've developed. So now, pulling down the kingdom from Midrand is not an issue. I believe this with all of my heart. Pulling down the kingdom from Midrand is not, is not an issue. It's not difficult. Or even for this nation. For our, con our content also needs the kingdom to come down. So it needs people to stand up and say, okay, I want to start doing this thing. So pulling it down for this nation, our city, this co it was not an issue but we've got to get it right in our circumstances. What is the wind and the rain saying, you know, in my midst? Am I going to be moved by that? Or am I going to take a stand and say, no, no, no. This is what I'm going to believe. I'm going to step out of where I am and I'm going to take hold of something which is outside and that I will hold on to and I will not let it go until I see it come to pass. Amen. If David could do that with all, I guess, the limitate, all what he had, which wasn't the born-again experience, how much more? We've got so much. Jesus hadn't gone to the cross, so he had only a certain aspect of God he could tap into. He didn't have the fullness like we have. And he could live this thing. How much more? Amen? Okay. Um, <clears throat> I think time is going. So let me just mention these two things quickly, which is very interesting. If you look at... Um, Psalm chapter 5, so we're in, we in Psalm chapter 5, if you, if you look at verse 6, and then also, 
Psalm chapter 7, 7 verse 17. So 5 verse 6, sorry, 5 verse 7 and 7 verse 17. Now, this is just, this is just sort of a, a bit of a digression, but I want to bring it up. So while we're talking about this kind of lifestyle and this kind of living, look what David does. Look also how he lives in the middle of a situation like this. So he's in crisis, okay? Because we know from the beginning of verse 2, give heed to the voice of my cry. You don't cry unless you're in crisis. Okay, I, yeah, I didn't want those to rhyme, but you know, whatever. So, but you get what I'm saying? You don't cry unless you're in crisis. You don't, I mean, cry tears of joy, but we're not going to, you can't stretch the scripture. It's not tears of joy. I think we all agree. So you don't cry unless you're in crisis. So he's in crisis. What does David do in crisis? Very simply, it says verse 7. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. Look what he does. In fear of you, I will worship towards your holy temple. In the middle of crisis, in the middle of crisis, I believe this is also something which is important. I'm not going to stay too long. I'm just going to mention it and move on. But take this, meditate on it, apply it. Because in the same token of his stand, he's also saying, God, I'm in crisis. There, is, there, are, there are flames. There is fire. You know, there's some serious floods happening. I'm worshiping. I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to worship. Even in, and probably even more so in the midst of crisis. Because that's what really shows where your faith is. Amen? That's what really shows what you, God, <laughs> things aren't working as they should, but you know what, I trust you. You are still God. You are still sovereign. Even though, you know, it seems like things are going bad, you are still the Lord of hosts. You are still the creator of the universe. Amen? That makes you stand out distinctly. Start to develop that lifestyle. I really believe we'll be unshakable. Amen? Amen? Truly, we'll be unshakable. So, <clears throat> I remember Pastor Eric mentioned, I think it was, it could have, I can't remember when it was. I think it was two weeks ago when you were speaking about Hagar, or it could have been last week. I can't remember. But he made a statement, and he said, like, <clears throat> because that your situation, your circumstances, there's no reason for them to affect your worship of God. And the reason why that is, is because worship is focusing on God for who He is. You get me? God, you are glorious. God, you are wonderful. And whether I'm good or I'm in crisis, God is still wonderful. God is still, God is still who the Bible says He is. You get, you get what I'm saying? So therefore, what, what, what I'm trying to highlight is that our worship shouldn't be affected by our circumstances. Because God is still the same. In other words, because we're focusing on God, how glorious you are, and well, whatever my situation is, God is still the same. You get me? So we should still be able to do that in the midst of challenging circumstances. And I believe even more so because that will move the heart of God. And very quickly, <coughs> if we look at... Psalm 7 verse 17, we see the same principle applied here. I mean, you just read through the Psalms, you see it everywhere, that David is worshiping in the midst of like enemies and this and that and whoever's around me in crisis and whatever, he's continuing to worship. So, <clears throat> I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and I will sing, sing, singing, praise to the, in the midst of his singing, I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. If you really are interested, and I mentioned this before, have a look at verse 1 and 2 and see what kind of a crisis he was in and the guy was singing. He was praising and worshiping. Let's have a look. What the, look what this says. 
Psalm chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. O Lord my God, and you I have put my trust. Okay. Save me from all who persecute me. So it's obviously he needs, some, he needs some saving. He's in a difficult situation. And deliver me. So okay, he needs some deliverance. Obviously something going on. He needs God to lift him up out of. So, he's in, so we can see from here that he's clearly in crisis. Okay, he's in a challenging situation. He's in crisis. So he's going through a challenge. Verse 2. Lest they... T- please have a look at this. Because th- this, should, this should let you know what kind of crisis he was in. He wasn't like, listen, you know what? You know, someone owed me money and I can't pay rent. Okay, wait, that's a bad example. Because I guess he wouldn't have to pay rent. He was in charge. So... I can't think of a better, but you get what I'm saying. It's like, it's not a, it's not a small situation. It's not like, you know what, my car and there, you know, something has gone wrong with that. Like it's bigger than that. He's saying, lest, oh God, in you I put my trust, save me from all those who persecute me and deliver me. Why must you save me and why must you, why must you deliver me? If you don't, they will tear me like a lion. Rending me in? I don't know about you. He's singing. <laughs> but please, can you see the situation? This is not fun. This is not, oh, you know what? I'm just, you know, I ate too much lunch and I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable on like a Sunday afternoon. Like, you get, it's, it's bigger than that. He's saying, listen, if you don't deliver me, people are going to tear me to pieces. I'm done. And not just tear me in here. This person, whoever, is almost like a lion. So if he gets hold of me, I am finished. I am done. God, lest they tear me like a lion, rendering me in pieces. While there is none to live. So if you don't deliver me, I am done. Again, like the previous scripture, he's sitting looking at something which is almost like, is like flames. He's looking at something which is crisis on a big level. It's not a small little, you know, uncomfortable. It's a big level. And what is David doing? He's singing. Verse 70, I will sing to the Lord. Some, something or someone or some group is about to tear him to pieces. And he's busy singing. I believe as we read the Bible and we see, and especially Psalms, you can obviously get a lot out of, but the whole Bible you can get stuff out of. But as we read and we see principles, I believe they are, they are important. Amen? You may not even always, we may not even always understand why, but if you see someone and it's recorded in the Bible singing in the midst of a challenge, you must know that it's something important to take note of. You get me? Even if, so you, you see a principle, even if you don't know why, if it's in the Bible, then apply it and you'll, you'll, you'll know why very soon. You get me? You'll see why further down the line. As you live this kind of lifestyle, in the midst of crisis, you pray, you sing. You stretch out of yourself to move past situations. As you start to do that, I believe you'll see the kingdom come. Not only will you pull the kingdom down, but, but worshiping in the midst of crisis, I believe the kingdom will come down. You'll actually you'll pull it down without even having to try. Amen. If you read on, you can have a look. Psalm chapter 9, verse 11 um, you can see him praying and worshiping there again. So, <coughs> um, let's do this very quickly. So, go back to Psalm chapter 5, verse 12. All I want to do is mention this. We now know that, that Psalm chapter 5, I mean Psalm, Psalm 5, verse 12. We know that Psalm 5 is, he's in crisis because he's crying. So, um, he's crying out to the Lord. And this is his declaration. This is what he says. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. In the middle of a crisis, in the middle of where he's crying out for a turnaround, he's saying, God, you will bless the righteous. Can you, can you see, can you see that the, kind of, the kind of man this was? The kind of life he lived? No matter what came, no matter what hit him, he's like, you know what? I will not be moved. Amen? 
as we develop this lifestyle, ladies and gentlemen, honestly, bringing the kingdom down will not be an issue. And if you want to talk about people looking at you and saying that you stand out and there's something different about you, start applying this. I guarantee you, because they will know some of the stuff you go through and they will see how you are. And they'll be like, you know what? There's something different about this person. Amen. Okay. Um, and then Psalm chapter 7, verse 10. We've looked at Psalm chapter 7 as well. Um, he was being about to be teared or torn, torn, torn like a lion. <laughs> Ted, sorry, English is not my first language. It's um, about my seventh language. The other sixth, I'm not, sh- not sure what they are. So don't ask me what the others are, but I'm just saying English is not my first language. So therefore, you should be merciful with me. So um, 7 verse 10. So he's in the midst of being almost torn like a lion, or torn by a lion, like a, I'm not sure what, but torn by a lion. And, he, and he, his stand is, my defense is God, who saves the upright in heart. My defense is God. I'm about to be torn like a lion. I'm about to be ripped to shreds. My defense is God. I'm, I will not, I will not bow down to my situation. I will not be intimidated by my, I will not back off and cause my situation to rule over me. I refuse. I will not. I will stand here and I will say, what does your word say? I will say, a God, I'm about to be, naturally looks like I'm about to be torn by, the, torn by a line. What am I going to do? I'm going to step out. I'm going to step out of my situation, take hold of something which is greater than me, greater than my situation, take hold of something which is my truth, which God has given me by virtue of me being born again. He's, he's gifted it to me. I'm going to take hold of it. I'm going to say this. I will not be moved on this. I will not be intimidated. I will not be scared. I will not allow any situation to make me frightened. I refuse. My defense is God. My shield is God. I will glorify God is the glory of my life. And in the middle of about to be, you know, crisis, God will bless the righteous. I hope you, I'm sure you're starting to get it. I'm sure you're starting. I mean, that's, this is the, if, that's why God, you know, says the things he does about David. You know, because there was a lifestyle. And like I said, quickly, just without wanting to stay here too long, sometimes, I know it's not always easy. You're, but, but what I'm saying is, that's what gets God's attention. That's what gets, when you do it in the midst of your emotion shouting and your, your, your head, all these pictures going through your head, because um, I know how I work. If you're in a crisis, then you know, these pictures come of you know, worst case scenario and where you end up, and isn't it? It always, it always comes. So in the midst of that, in the midst of your emotions, in the midst of how you're feeling, in the midst of maybe even something rising up inside you, you say, no, this is, this is what I'm taking hold of. This is who I am, and I won't be moved off that. In the midst of that, it gets God's attention. I promise you it gets God's attention. God's looking down and saying everything natural is being thrown against this person and they are taking a stand. Like David, they are saying, "Mm -mm, the situation won't shake me. The situation won't move me. I'm going to stand. So even in the midst of what I'm trying to say is even if your emotions are going up and down, it's okay. You keep standing. Because your emotions will do what they do. It doesn't mean you're missing it. It doesn't mean you're not getting it right. You get what I'm saying? It's in the midst of that. You know, sometimes like, imagine the disciples. Jesus was in the same storm, isn't it? In the boat when he fell asleep. There was wind and there was rain. I don't know about you, that would disturb my sleep. Okay, maybe, maybe you guys are more powerful. I know, I, it would disturb my sleep. 
So he managed to sleep in that. So what I'm saying is he could operate in the midst of that. There was still noise. The boat was still being rocked. There was still thunder. There was still all of this noise, this outside stuff. But he still, he still kept the stand that he, that he, that he, he still kept the stand that he should keep. In other words, the way he should approach it, the way he decided, I'm going to deal with it like this, he kept that in the midst of that. So it's not necessarily that that stuff is not there or your emotions aren't shouting. It's still saying in the midst of your emotion, and that's what makes you great. In the midst of your emotion shouting, God is my defense. And you keep saying that and you keep speaking that until you see that thing come to pass. That's what makes you great. That's your step towards greatness. That's what takes you from here to the next step to now you can start dealing with things over cities and over nations. You can now start transforming cities and nations. Why? You've got it right here. And I really believe this is probably the most difficult place to get it right. Amen? Is your personal whatever. That's the challenge. Nail it there. You can bring down the kingdom over cities. It's not a problem. You can bring it down over nations. Amen? Amen. 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 Okay. Um, I think let's see how we can, see how we can close. Um. <coughs> That's fine. Let's, let's move from here. I think maybe just I'll mention... Now, let me mention Abraham, then we can close. So, <coughs> Abraham had a, uh, was a... There was a similar situation in Abraham's life. Abraham, in other words, what am I trying to say? It's very simply. Abraham responded similarly to what I'm trying to put across this morning. Okay, and we're going to see why. Genesis 22, verse 5, and Hebrews chapter 11... Uh, 17 to 19. So what happened there was Abraham was going off to Abraham was going off to worship. Let's actually read that quickly. Genesis 22 verse 5. <coughs> Genesis 22 verse 5. He's been God has just spoken to him and said, "Take Isaac, your son, your only son, um, and go and sacrifice him." Um, yeah, and it wasn't a metaphorical, a spiritual sacrifice. It was the real thing. I don't think he knew, they knew about spiritual sacrifices back then. So Isaac was to be sacrificed the same way as you'd sacrifice anything else. So Abraham got up and did it. Verse 5, I think we're looking for. Um, where are we? Sorry, I'm in 24. That's why I didn't recognize it. Okay, 22 verse 5. And Abraham said to the young men, who accompany them, stay here with the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Stay here with the donkey, okay? The lad and I will go off to worship, and we will come back to you. He was going to sacrifice his son. Any of you who've ever read the Bible, or have ever seen any sort of a, sac an, a sacrifice of, of an animal of some kind, it never gets up off the altar. Am I right? It's not supposed to get up. That it wasn't a sacrifice. You get me? Like sacrifices don't wake up afterwards. Once you've done what you need to do with the sacrifice, it's done. It's been offered. We move on with our lives. The sacrifice is now all past history. That's what Abraham got told to do to his son. Think about it. And, and the reason which made it, and which made it so much more challenging. So you see, sometimes we might go through, there might be things we don't understand, but do we still trust God? Okay. The other thing is what you need to know is that the whole of Abraham's destiny and everything God had said to him hinged on Isaac. 
Remember, I'll make you a father of many nations. No, it's not going to come from your head servant. It's going to come from, you know, a child that's going to come from you. And through that, I'm going to fulfill every sand of the seashore, um, stars in the sky. You know, that's kind of your nations, your, your children will inherit the, the gates of the enemy. You know, all of that. Isaac was the only thing he had. There wasn't any other, oh, okay, maybe he can do it through, I don't know, Rachel or whatever. No, no, there was no other child. There was no daughter. There was no other son. There was only Isaac. So him having to, to, to end his life in the natural meant, oh, God, you said this to me. Now I'm taking it like it doesn't make sense. You get me? So it was a big, it's the biggest step he's probably ever had to take. It's taking his whole future, his whole destiny, and literally laying it on the altar. Again, God, I don't understand, but I trust you. I know what you said. This doesn't make sense in line with what you've said. It doesn't make sense. But you know what? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do it. I'm still going to follow you, and I'm still going to be obedient, even though I don't understand. And that's very critical. If we're going to bring down the kingdom, that's also how we need to live. So he put Isaac, he put Isaac on the altar. Obviously, he was about to, he was about to um, kill him. Angel comes down and says, no, no, Abraham, it's fine. <laughs> Whatever test you were supposed to pass, God has seen your, your faithfulness. He's seen your attitude, so all is well. Um, but the interest, what I wanted to highlight was Abraham's attitude before we even went there. So if you read in Hebrews 11, I think it's 17 to 19, you'll see it said Abraham believed that God who's even, would bring him back from the dead. That's what he believed. So you get me. Abraham went into it believing God. He's like, and, and remember, and here's even an exciting thing. Just by the way, no one had ever been raised from the dead until that point. Think about that. He was trusting God for something he'd never seen before. He'd never experienced. I don't, the, the Bible doesn't record one instance of someone being raised from the dead, and that's what he was trusting God for. I don't know about you, but that's, you know, he's stepping out of his situation, stepping out of his, he's like, God, I know how big you are. And I don't even know what this thing is raising from the dead because I've never seen it and no one's ever done it. But if that's what, he believed God that much. That's what I'm trying to say. He believed, even this thing he hasn't seen before, like us, maybe we haven't seen, you know, transfiguration on the mount. Maybe we haven't seen the kingdom, the glory that's read about in the Bible, the things that get shared some here on a Sunday. Maybe we haven't seen it or even heard of it or know anyone who's experienced it. It's fine. Does that mean it can't happen? No, of course not, because then God's not true. I don't know. I think it's exciting being the first one to experience something. Amen? So no one's experienced it before. It's fine. So let us pioneer it then. I'm up for that. Because then when the history books get recorded, not that, I'm, not that we're after that, but when the history gets books, who's, whose name's going to be there? Not that, you see, the thing is, not the people who joined after the train, you know, it's already gone past four stations. And, you know, they can see that this train works. You know, it's not then that people start joining. You know, it's in the beginning when the train hasn't been tested. When people are still like, mm, does it work? Does it, you know, does it not work? We're not sure. Those people who get on the train, those are the ones that go down in history. Not the ones who join once the party started. Sure, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's room for everyone. God bless everyone who will come later. But I'm saying, like Thomas, if you believe without having seen, there's somehow God responds to you. Mm? There's something it does in the heart of God. When you haven't seen it, you haven't experienced, but yet you're saying, God, I'm believing you for this thing. I don't, I don't even, in fact, my mind, the picture in my head is probably not enough of what you're actually saying in this particular scripture. But you know what? I'm still going to believe you. I don't know what being raised from the dead is, but you know what? It's fine. I want that. As we go with that attitude, 
I believe God will come down. Amen? And that's why I brought out Abraham, because he models it for us. He says, look, God, my whole future is here. If this doesn't make sense. I'm still laying it on the altar. I'm still laying it down. And I don't know. In fact, you know what, what Abraham actually thought, I believe, is I don't know how you're going to sort this out, God. That's what it is. I don't know how, but I trust you. That's what it boils down. So he, he was just, one of the examples is, okay, well, if God has to sort it out by raising him from the dead, then he'll do that. But I don't think he knew how it was going to happen. He just said, God, I trust you. Amen? No matter what, I trust you. No matter what, I will stand and say, you are my defense. No matter what, I will say that you are my shield. I will say that you are the glory of my life. No matter what, I will say that you bless the righteous, no matter the situation I'm in. We have to stand and we have to get comfortable with stepping out of our situation. And saying, God, I'm going to live differently. Because as you live differently, you're going to see the kingdom's going to start coming down. As you live differently, people are going to see some things about you and start getting attracted to your life. Amen. Amen. Okay. I think we have, I think on that note, yeah, that's a, that's a good note for us to close. So <clears throat> let's go out of here um, making, an, making a, a decision to no longer be consumed by our situations no, and, and, may, and being disciplined, saying, listen, this is where I'm being pulled towards, but no, I'm going to stand here. This is what the Bible says, either to get yourself out of a crisis or even something you just believe in God for. You know, you're stepping out. Naturally, it says you can't have that, whatever that might be. But you're saying, no, 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 I'm going to take hold of that. Amen. So let's make a decision to, to, to whatever our emotions are saying, whatever our heads are saying, even our circumstances, we're feeling pain and uncomfortable, all of that to go part, to put the effort in. You grit our teeth and say, you know what? I'm going to go past this. I'm going to take the Bible over all of these things. My emotions, my circumstances, my thoughts, what's going on in my mind, even what people might be saying. Because sometimes it's helpful, but sometimes it's not helpful. You know, depending on where the counsel's coming from. Amen. And I believe as we do that, we'll start to develop the characteristics we need to bring down the kingdom. But even more so, like I said, you actually start bringing down the kingdom already. You're starting to do it. Because now if, you, if there was a situation which wouldn't have changed, and you've changed it by applying a biblical principle, that's the kingdom coming down. Amen. So you started to put in place the practicals of bringing down the kingdom. Once you've got it right inside yourself, like I said, for God to use you to do it over a city or over a nation is not a big thing. Because you've already got the principles right. You've already learned what you need. You've developed that inside you. Now it's just a case of doing it on a bit of a bigger scale. But you've nailed it already. And then we start stepping into true riches. Amen? <coughs> Father, we bless you. We thank you. We magnify you. We thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness, Father God. You are so good. You are so, so, so good. You are so faithful, Lord God. Father, we are hungry for your kingdom. We are hungry for your kingdom. We are hungry for your kingdom. My God and my King. <clears throat> Father, we reach out and we take hold of your kingdom. We reach out for the fullness of your kingdom. We reach out and we say, Father... Your kingdom, your kingdom, your kingdom. We will, not, we will not accept, Lord God, anything less. We will not accept anything below that. Father, your kingdom which affects every area of society, every area of our nation, every area of our lives. Father, 
We want your kingdom. We desire your kingdom. We hunger for your kingdom. We hunger for your kingdom. We hunger for your kingdom. We call out for your kingdom. We cry out for your kingdom. We cry out for your kingdom. We cry out for your kingdom. My God, let your kingdom manifest. Let your kingdom manifest. Let your kingdom manifest. My God. Let your kingdom come forth with glory. Let your kingdom come forth with power. Let your kingdom come forth and break open every old thing. Transform every situation. Father, your kingdom must come forth with power. God, 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 God. Your kingdom must come forth with power. It must come forth with power. It must come forth with power. We call out for that. We call out for that. We call out for that in the name of Jesus. We cry out for that. We cry out for that. Father, we place a demand on all the glory that your word shows forth. We place a demand, Lord God, my God and my King, on the powers of the age to come. That every person here may walk in them, my God. That every person here might walk in it. That every person here, my God and my King, might experience it in the name of Jesus. That it may manifest through every person's life. Affect every family. Affect every community represented here. Affect every city, Lord God. Even every nation that you will send us to, my God. The powers of the age to come manifest, break out from our lives. Lord God, may the, f Lord, may the fullness of your word break out it from our lives. May the fullness of your word break out from our lives. Let every limitation of our lives be removed. Father, every wall, every barrier, everything we've allowed to be built up or erected or we've erected ourselves, God, let your power break out through those. Let your power destroy them, God. Let your power destroy every barrier, every limitation, every wall, my God, that we've built up or that we've allowed to be built. <clears throat> Let your glory come forth. Let your glory come forth, my God and my King. Let it be seen, Jesus, my King. Let it be seen in our lives. Let it be seen in our midst, my God and my King. Show forth your glory. Show forth your glory. Show forth your glory. Show forth your glory, my God and my King. With no limitations. Let your, as your glory breaks out, as your glory goes forth, let it break out. Let it remove every contrary thing. Let it drive out every contrary thing. Let it break out, Father God, and take with it every contrary thing. May your glory come down, my God and my King. May your glory come down. May it transform our lives, Lord. May it change our lives. May it explode through us. May it break out through us. Lord, we thank you for making us glory carriers in every sense of the word. Father, we worship you. Father, we honor you. We give you glory. We give you praise. Thank you for changing and transforming us. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, it's the f we're going to be having communion now. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.